Okay. Now you take your index finger and your middle finger and you put it under her like this. Now you have to imagine that she's incredibly light, like she's made out of air. Now is that her whole body or just her head? Cow. <laughs> you guys, come on, concentrate or it's not gonna work. I think I sprained my finger. <laughs> Shut up! Focus! Come on, you guys. Come on, ready? Light as a feather, stiff as a board. 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 Wilfred Brimley, and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. You guys, it's not working. Whoa. Shut up, or you're gonna fall. How do I get down? Shh. Who's got the instructions? Just keep concentrating. We are the wretched refuse. We're underdogs. We're mutts. We're mutants. There's something wrong with us. Something very, very wrong with us. Something seriously wrong with us. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back. We have Lobo back with us this week. Um, you can say hi, of course. Prove it. Okay, moving on. Um, this week we have returning guest to the show, Lucia Peters. Lucia Peters runs the fantastic blog, The Ghost in My Machine. Last time we had her on here, we were talking about urban legends. She goes out, finds creepypasta urban legends, like the stare in the mirror and say Bloody Mary so many times mm-hmm. that she appears, things like that. Well, she has come out with a book called Dangerous Games to Play in the Dark. It's a really cool little hardcover book. Um, it's chock full of these, I guess you would call them spells in different ways. It's, the, it's like spooky uh, D&D. Yeah. It's like it's, a submission. And like one of the ones in here which we're going to talk about is light as a feather, stiff as a board. Like some of these things are party games. Some of these things, like stuff we've talked about before, like th- games you play in a closet or light candles and do all this kind of stuff. And as always, I'm enthralled where she manages to find all of this stuff. So we were one of the first people, why well, I was actually, you haven't got a copy of it yet, but um, I was one of the first people to get a copy of the book, and I was anxiously awaiting for it to come out. And for, I don't know if this is her first book or not, we're going to ask her when we're talking to her, um, if this is her first book. But um, she was, you know, I said, hey, would you come back on? And she said, yeah, you know, I, I would love to. And so, she, you know, she's was no problem we're doing this. And uh, I dug through a few things on her site. So we're going to cover a lot of stuff in this book and a few things on her site. And uh, I'm curious, like, where she finds this stuff. And, and, and is, is she starting to run out? Because it never ceases to amaze me how she always pulls out these these weird urban legends and these just weird games that you play. And I'm noticing that she's delving more and more into the Asian version of these which are very weird. The Asian versions of these things are very, very bizarre. 
So I'm going to talk They're to her about that. They're more interesting than ours. Yeah, they are. So um, mm-hmm. we're going to bugger about that, and then I'm just going to bypass all the usual chatter and stuff we do at the beginning of the show, and we'll talk about the end of the show, because right now I'm super exhausted. I'm just tired off my ass. Pre-warning, I have pre-gamed with some caffeine, but I'm going to try to not go balls-out crazy whack job like I normally do when I'm on caffeine. I'm kind of like pacing myself a little bit. If you listen really close, there was the first lie. (laughs) I'm going to do my best. I really am because I'm really sore and I'm super tired because we did the Michigan's longest yard sale, which goes from one side of the state to the other. We made it about a quarter of the way through. And it was my uh, Lisa and my wife and myself, and we've been going since about 7 o'clock this morning, just hitting yard sale after yard sale after yard sale. So I'm really beat right now. Um, hopefully, if the caffeine does kick in and I start sounding like a squirrel at a rave, that's a reference, um, then hopefully you'll, like, smack me in the head on Messenger and tell me to mellow the hell out. But um, we'll do the pre-chatter or the post-chatter after the show, and we'll talk to everybody then. You gonna do the bye bye? Yeah, bye bye! Alright. With us returning is Lucia Peters. Am I saying your name right? Is it Lucia or Lucia? Am I? Am I it's proper? Lucia. You're good. You're Lucia. Good. Okay. So. <laughs> Thank you. But you have a new book out called Dangerous Games to Play in the Dark. I do. It is, I want to call it a pocket book because it will fit in your pocket. It's a nice, nice hardcover book. It's got cool graphics on it. It's written very well and straightforward. I got to ask, is this your first book? Have you ever done anything like this before? It is my first book. So it was kind of a whole big adventure. (laughs) So yeah, this has just been a whole big adventure. Um, (laughs) The whole book writing process. I like the way you have it laid out. You've got it broke down into a bunch of different chapters in here. And you've got things like uh, party games. You've got one called Summoning Spirits. High Stakes Hide and Seek, Long Strange Trips, which is absolutely my favorite part of the book. <laughs> Contacting the Other Side, Games of Knowledge, and then you've got like a little conclusion of here. The Games of Knowledge was my second favorite one to go through. Yeah, this is for, for a uh, freshman offering of a book. This is really, really cool. I hope you have more of something like this in store in the future. I am, I'm hoping to write more, so we'll, we'll kind of see. This one has to sell first, so we'll see how that goes. But. <laughs> I have to ask you, you've got your site, The Ghost in My Machine, which we've had you on mm-hmm. here for, before. Very frequent visitor to your site. I, I go to it all the time. I know a lot of our listeners do. Last time we had you on here, we had a lot of people that were like, I love that woman's blog. Thank you for having her on here. You were a very favored guest to have on. So I got to ask, you find this stuff all the time and you consistently post really cool stuff. Are you beginning to run out of content because you've got everything on your site and plus you've got everything in the book and you still keep posting? How do you find this stuff? Where do you go? Uh, you know, it, it's, you, you'd think, sometimes I think that I'm gonna maybe start running out of, out of stuff at some point. Uh, I, the Ghost of My Machine has been live for, I wanna say like five and a half years at this point, I think is how long I have been writing it. Um, and somehow I just managed to keep finding things. Um, <laughs> it, they, they can kind of, they, they come from a whole bunch of different places. A lot of the time it's just, uh, you know, I tend to, even just while I'm browsing the internet, I just tend to, you know, pay attention to, you know, weird things. Or like if I click through something on my Twitter feed that seems like it's kind of from an interesting source, you know, I'll go dig through more of that source and so on and so forth. Um, so kind of it's mostly just a matter of, of, of knowing how, how to, how to look with a discerning eye, I guess. Um, I mean, I'm on the internet a lot, generally speaking. It's, it's also like my day job is writing things on the internet as well. So, you know, I, I tend to, I tend to be here a lot. Um, 
so it's, it's really just paying attention to what you find. And like, if you find something while you're working on something else that you maybe want to come back to and look at later, you know, putting that bookmark in, writing yourself a note and kind of seeing what you can find about it. I don't want to spoil all your secrets, but where do you go to find this stuff? Like, do you uh, hang out I, on like a lot of creepy pasta pages? Is uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and sometimes I I find like I'll I'll be reading something on like you know maybe a bigger site like um I don't know like uh, the lineup or you know some other you know like the I think whatever Blumhouse's site is now I think it's like the 13th floor now it used to just be you know on the regular Blumhouse site uh, but sometimes they'll like pull up some kind of like wacky creepypasta and, you know, I'll kind of dig into that more and that might lead me to a site that I hadn't found before. Um, so I'll look around there. There are like the big creepypasta, you know, kind of repositories that are also useful. So like, I mean, the creepypasta wiki, there's stuff getting posted there all the time. Um, what you sort of have to do sometimes is that what goes on sites like that don't doesn't always stay there. So sometimes it's like if you find a link that's a dead link um, and you still want to see what was on there, it's kind of trying to figure out how you can still access that content. So I use the Wayback Machine a lot to go look at sites that might no longer be active, but which, you know, might have been preserved there at some point in the past. So I can kind of see what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of it's 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 almost sort of like doing a lot of detective work to just sort of dig up the things that are interesting to you. And, you know, once you find them. You know, if you come up against a wall, it's like, how can you figure out how to get over that or around it? Um, That's a lot of work. <laughs> it is. It is. But I mean, this is obviously do, like uh, this is obviously like something that you love doing. Okay, now I've noticed also that you're beginning to go more and more into the direction of like Asian. What do we call these urban legends? What? Do, how? How do we define what you do? I mean, I think it all sort of falls under the the umbrella of urban legends. Um, you know, folklore. It's it's kind of the evolution of of, of folklore. Um, you know, it's folklore isn't just like things that you tell you know around a fire anymore with your friends. You know, it's now stuff that you find on the internet and stuff that you know you you know share. And then like maybe you find another version or someone sees something and then they share it, but they tell it in a slightly different way. Um, so the, these kinds of stories are still getting spread in the same way that like folklore and urban legends would have, which were mostly like oral traditions. You know, people would, would, you know, I heard this from a friend of a friend or like your babysitter would tell them to you. But, you know, now it's now it's finding them on like weird forums on the Internet or like uh, and I, I do I've kind of. I've, I've covered a lot of um, kind of East Asian type urban legends for a long time just because there's a lot of really interesting stuff that's been coming out of there. Uh, I mean, I would argue that like the urban legend games that are, you know, made things like dangerous games to play in the dark possible and what make the um, the most dangerous game section of the Ghost of My Machine possible. Um, a lot of the, the, the newer games that kind of spurred on this whole crop of of uh, kind of ritual based urban legends, a lot of them were Asian in origin. So like the elevator game, that one was Korean. You know, there are a lot that come out of Japan. Yeah, um, we're going to be I, covering that one. Yeah. That's <laughs> that that was probably one of the most intense ones that I that I read <laughs> in this book for the most part. And, uh, yeah, and that actually that that game actually is the reason the book exists. Is my my editor the the, the woman who ended up editing the book? Um, she reached out to me after having she had heard about the elevator game on a podcast and was like, this might make an interesting project. And so while she was doing some preliminary looking around to see if it might be viable, you know, to do some kind of like collection of these weird urban legend games. She found my site from there. So that's was, thanks elevator game. <laughs> was the impetus for looking into the elevator game, the Alyssa Lamb mystery? Uh, actually, no, it wasn't because that, that connection I think was actually not made um, until after I wrote this piece on the site. Cause the, really? I put the game on the site in like 2014. Wow. Um, that's awesome. And uh, I did notice there was a space of time where when the, the Alyssa Lamb theory did kind of kick up, I'm, I don't 
really buy it. I, I think it's no, like, disrespectful I. to her. <laughs> um, but uh, there was suddenly, I was getting all of this traffic specifically to that game. Um, and that was kind of when I was like, what is causing this huge giant traffic spike? And again, this was back in 2014. So the site's readership was much smaller than it is now. So I wasn't totally sure where it came from. And as I started looking into it, I was like, oh, okay, that's what's happening. Cool. So you brought up something that I was going to bring up to you and the fact that um, ritualistic was exactly something that came to mind. A lot of these things that you have in here have gone from being just simple simple things that you would sit around and play at slumber parties or something like to actual being very, very similar to real magic practices yeah. as far as summoning. Um, you're beginning to breach the gray area between this stuff with a lot of this. Yeah, um, yeah. Are you running into a situation where you're going, okay, this is actually a real magic spell, or is this an urban legend? Or do you find things where you go, this is too much like magic that I don't want to, that I don't want to put this out there? Do you have a limit? Am I asking too many questions at one time? Uh, you're not asking too many questions, not at all. <laughs> all good. Um, I, I, if I have a limit, I haven't hit it yet. Um, I think what I do try to be mindful of um, is like when I'm covering, particularly, you'll notice, you know, these connections with things that are, you know, for people who do practice, um, you know, like pagan religions or, you know, who will practice Wicca or who practice, practice witchcraft or, you know, all of all of those sort of um, spiritualities. Um, I try to be. I try to be sensitive to that and I try to be mindful of it and I try to make sure that the sources that I'm going to are people who do like whoever's whoever I'm the sources that I'm I'm checking are actually written by people who do practice this stuff. So I'm not kind of just making stuff up. Um, so and you'll find this a lot of the time with some of the, the games um, in probably in, in maybe over the last year or so I've been doing more games on the site that uh, do actually go back much further to, you know, actual folk traditions. Um, and those are those are the kinds of ones where I try to, like, check out, you know, how far back do they go? What are the older accounts of how this stuff worked? Um, you know, how are people who do practice these things? How are they doing them these days? Um, and kind of trying to make sure that I'm, I'm going to the right sources, if that makes sense. Do you get contacted by people that say, hey, I've done this and such and such has happened, or have you heard of this yet or anything like that? Uh, not as much. Um, a lot of the time, I mean, I, I there are a lot of contents that, or comments that go up on the site that are like, I tried this and then all this weird stuff happened. Also, I'm 12 years old, and I'm like, okay, you're probably just <laughs> making stuff up. Also, uh, I'm that, 12 that years old. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that for, for some reason. I'm not sure if they're actually 12 or if they're people pretending they're 12. It's kind of anyone's guess. Could be a mix of both. I don't really know. Um, the anonymity of the internet. Kind of creepy but, um, either way. Yeah, but sometimes actually what I have been finding is um, sometimes some games that I've dug up that, um, you know, are things that, you know, people were playing, you know, a couple of decades ago or ones that were maybe popular a decade or two ago in other countries or something like that. Sometimes I will get readers who post comments who are like, hey, I remember playing this. This was popular when I was in school, you know, maybe about 10 years ago, uh, which is kind of neat, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> So, like, what separates you from, like, going out there and posting, like, Ouija board legend stories and things like that? Um, uh, well, it depends what you mean by Ouija board legend stories. Like, do you mean... You know, just, like, people putting stories in, like, we did this with a Ouija board and this happened, or is there a certain formula for things that you look for to post? Does ah. it have a criteria that it has to meet? Um, I, I try to make sure it's credible, I think is kind of the big thing. Um, a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the fact, I mean, like, you know, my, my day job as a writer is, is a lot of it is, is news and, you know, fact-based reporting. So, so a lot of that is like the way I tend to approach things. I, I don't know that I would call myself a journalist because I actually never trained as a journalist. I just sort of like fell into this and now it's my job and that's amazing to me. Um, 
but that tends to always be where I where I approach things from. It's always making sure that a source is credible. Um, you know, if it's a source that I is interesting to me, but I can't verify something about it, then I'll usually try to note that. Um, so I, I I tend not to uh, post things that are like straight up fiction on the site. Um, if I do. It's, I'll usually try to acknowledge that in some way, shape, or form. Um, part of that, there actually is, it's, uh, so on my, my Patreon campaign, not to plug it or anything, but there is one of the, I have a Patreon. If you guys like what I do, please support. Every little bit helps. Um, but one of the, the higher up tiers, uh, which I haven't had any takers on yet. I do, I do have a couple of people who are subscribed to that tier, but who haven't taken me up on the, on the actual offer yet after I've reached out to them about it is like, have you had something weird happen to you? Do you want to tell it to me? And then I'll write it up and put it on the site. Like that's a, that's a perk that comes at, at I think the $20 tier is where I put that one. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's taken me up on it yet. So, Hey, patrons who are in the $20 tier, that is a perk you have. If you have not gotten <laughs> in touch with me about that yet and you want to have your story on the site, get back at me. <laughs> we'll make that happen. I guess let's delve into the content here. Um, let's start with light as a feather, stiff as a board, okay. which is, seems to be the one that, uh, that, you know, college sorority girls and stuff you see it in movies yep. and stuff. But what movie was it in? I can't remember where they started. The Craft. The Craft. Yes, the craft. that's correct. Yep. We did it when I was in high school before The Craft even came out. Yep. Yeah, so this was a, a, a time-honored tradition of, uh, like, 80s and 90s era sleepovers. <laughs> we did it at my shop in the electrical department at school. You would. <laughs> you, how, do you, how do you get a bunch of guys together in the shop and say, all right, I want you to lay down and we're all going to sit around and we're all going to try this? There may have been drugs involved. it was definitely food but there most likely was drugs involved as well so you have risk level low additional warnings heights and fire this is curious uh objective levitate a friend reward defying gravity the fact that you have additional warnings heights and fire um Let's talk about how the rituals performed, the history behind it, if possible. And I'm really curious to know about how a person can catch on fire levitating off of the floor. Yeah, well, the mostly the thing is, is so <laughs> the, that little, um, that kind of little section at the top of each game, that's something that's new for the book. So, you know, even if there's a game that I've covered previously on the site uh, and I've, I've done a new version of it for the book, that like risk level additional warning stuff, that's, that's something that we added for this part of that. Uh, the warnings is like just to... Be safe, people, while you are playing these games. <laughs> you know, if you have it's to light idea. a candle for them, you know, have a fire extinguisher nearby. Uh, you know, if, you know, you're lifting someone off the ground, you might drop them. Like, you know, might want to prepare for that possibility, things like that. So um, we kind of tried to be, uh, make sure that we were reminding people if they did want to try to play these games to, you know, take common sense precautions and, like, don't do stupid things. Um, so that's Hopefully. kind of... Like, go to hell in an elevator. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can, you can send yourself to an alternate universe, but as long as you don't light your house on fire, you're fine. It's um, fine. So that was kind of where where uh, where those little warnings came from. Um, so, you know, other, other warnings that you might find throughout the book. Uh, fire is a common one because a lot of the games involve lighting a candle or lighting a match or something like that. Um, so again, keep a fire extinguisher nearby. Don't, you know, put your candles near anything flammable, things like that. Um, you might find blood. So, you know, like for the games that require you to prick a finger, um, sterilize your pin. Don't use an unsterilized pin. Also know that there is blood. So if you don't like blood, you might not want to play this game. So it's kind of letting people know what is involved before they really get super into it. So there, there are things they'd rather not touch than they can, they can avoid them and just read about them instead of actually playing them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so the the history of light as a feather, step as a board. So you know, as I think many of us grew up playing this game. Uh, you know, the the craft was the one that sort of I think uh, cemented it in in popular culture. That came out in like 1996, but it was around long, long, long before that. And actually, mm-hmm. I this was this was new to me. This was this was fascinating. This is probably my favorite thing that I found out while I was re- researching this book. Is the uh, original or at least one of the oldest mentions of light as a feather, step as a board that we have. Um, it actually dates back to the 1600s. And that was fascinating. <laughs> like, that was really cool. Not only that, but really cool. um, the source is also, like, it's a source that I was familiar with, and I don't know how I missed that this was in it. So part of me is kind of like, how did I miss this all this time? Um, but the, the source is, is Samuel Pepys's diary. Um, so Samuel Pepys, which is spelled uh, P-E-P-Y-S, it's pronounced Peeps like the candy. Um, he, <laughs> this was for my Peeps. It looks like well, it looks like Pepys. So like if you've only ever seen it and never actually heard someone pronounce it like that, there is a long, long learning curve for, for Samuel Pepys's name. But in any event, uh, he was he was an administrator of the British Royal Navy. Later on, he was a member of Parliament during the Restoration era in England. Uh, but what he's most known for is this extremely detailed diary that he kept between. Roughly 1660 and 1670 ish. Um, the diary was later published. You can buy it. You can read it for free on Project Gutenberg if you want to know about the minutia of day to day life and the restoration. Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons that this document is so highly regarded is because like he was so good at recording like everything that he did every day that a lot of what we know about what life was like during the restoration is from his diary. Um, my experience with the diary actually came mostly from my background in the theater. Uh, he was an avid theater goer, so a lot of what we know about the original productions of lots of restoration drama comes from his descriptions of what he saw. And w- when you study theater, you're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of time with peeps. So, like, <laughs> again, all of that aside, like, I had no idea how I didn't catch this before. Um, in 1665, one of his diary entries, he's uh, telling a story that one of his friends told him. The friend had recently been to France, and uh, on that trip. Uh, his friend, he said he had seen a bunch of kids playing a super weird looking game where they basically levitated, you know, another small child using a single finger each. And it was paired with this really weird sounding chant. Uh, the chant was in French. Um, I, I do have it written down. My French is really rusty and I'll probably butcher the pronunciation, though. So so the English translation is here is a dead body, stiff as a stick, cold as marble, light as a spirit. Lift yourself in the name of Jesus Christ. Um it's light as a feather, stiff as a board. Like the, even the words are almost exactly the same. You know, the chant is a little different, but the game itself is unchanged centuries later. You know, it's like one person lays down, you know, a bunch of people stick their index fingers under their body and, you know, chant something spooky while attempting to lift that person using only a couple of fingers. Um, that was, I, that blew my mind. It blew my mind that the game had been around that long. <laughs> and it was already, like, it was clearly well established by that point. So, like, to be honest, it could be much older than that and we just don't have any record of it. But this is one of the earliest written records of this game that we have which is super weird <laughs> so you have have all the lifters and the guides slide an index middle finger fingers from both of their hands underneath the levitator's body then in the guide signal have the lifters lift the levitator into the air using only these fingers as they're chanting that's as they're chanting it i would assume yeah pretty much um, there's kind of this whole, it's, it's gotten, uh, it, over, over time, I mean, the version that I played is, uh, the, the, the version that's in the book is a combination of like a whole bunch of different, different versions that I had heard recounted or read recounted by other people or, you know, combined with the way I used to play it when I was a kid, which, you know, so this would have been, you know, like early, very early 90s. Um, I, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so that's kind of the era Same. that it would have been in. Um, but so it's, you're kind of supposed to, you know, choose one person to be the levitator. And then you can usually, I think you need 
you need a couple more people. It's kind of useful to have at least four additional people, uh, I think is usually a good number. You can do more than that. You can maybe try to do fewer, but it, it you know, kind of varies. Um, and so th- the whole, there's, there's this whole, um, level. This is one of those ones where there is sort of like a level of ritual to it, which is less maybe about casting magic and more about just, uh, kind of setting the correct, uh, feeling over the whole thing, um, the correct atmosphere. Um, so you're supposed to kind of like try to lift them once without mm-hmm. chanting anything. Um, and that time it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. You're, you're supposed to kind of prepare for the fact that that one isn't going to work. Um, and then the, the way, the way I used to play it, and that's the one that isn't here, is you've got one person who kind of functions as a guide and they'll start a chant, uh, where it's something like, you know, the, the person, whoever, you can use the correct, whatever pronoun the person uses, you know, she is looking ill or she's looking sick, um, something like that. And you chant that over and over and over again. And then kind of gradually, the idea is for the guy to switch it to she's getting worse, um, you know, and then she is dying and then finally she is dead. So the whole thing is you're kind of, I mean, in some ways I might almost even put it as a, it, it, it bears some resemblance to the kinds of like hypnotism games. And I say that quote unquote that we also used to play when I was a kid. And maybe I just played some weird games when I was a kid. I don't no, know. Say, how many of these games have you played? Have <laughs> um, you, did you I, play I, a lot of this stuff as young, when you were younger? I, I did. I did. A fair number. I mean, I, it was Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board, Bloody Mary was a big one, and also Concentrate, which is on the site but not in the book, um, was one that I actually didn't even realize is something that would sort of fall under this kind of umbrella. But uh, later on, I, I, I found out that uh, Concentrate, for, for me, what the whole thing was, it, it sort of like put you in a sort of trance state and you were kind of supposed to mimic... Um, you know, like weird physical sensations, like cracking an egg on your head and having the, the yolk running down. Uh, but then at the end of it, apparently you're supposed to like see a color that is supposed to tell you how you die. And I was like, that's an element that I didn't have in the version I played when I was a kid. So that was, that was fascinating. But um, anyway, so with, with line as a feather, stiff as a board, the whole idea is to kind of, you know, put, put your, your levitator in kind of a, a very relaxed state. Um, and I, I believe they're actually in the event that it works, uh, there is a scientific explanation for it. I don't understand it super, super well because my background is not. In <laughs> There's science. a scientific um, explanation. Okay. A lot of it has to do with, um, uh, I probably shouldn't even try. <laughs> I think I looked into it at one point, but it, there, it, it, it can work. It is one of those like weird science tricks that looks like magic, basically. Um, you know, like the same way a gravity hill, uh, you know, looks like magic. It's actually science. So, uh, for whatever that's worth, uh, that, that's out there. Um, you can also, uh, you can, there's a different sort of way you can, you can finagle this one so that, uh, the, the guide, rather than doing that chant altogether, you know, she is, she's looking ill. She's, getting worse she's dying she's dead um you can have the guy just kind of like tell this whole elaborate story that they can make up however they see fit of like how the person who you're trying to levitate is supposed to have died like almost like you're eulogizing them um that's i didn't play it that way when i was a kid but apparently that's a thing you can do um so i I know it's not unheard of to do it that way as well and again that that also ends uh where where all of these things end up is the light as a feather stiff as a board chant and as you're chanting that uh repeatedly that's when you try to to lift your your levitator up again um and if you've done it correctly then you should all be able to lift the person up with you know two fingers each something like that yep so i got to ask did you see the south park episode where they're trying to summon biggie smalls in the bathroom mirror and they have to say his name three times I don't think I've seen that one, but I, I that that sounds about right. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've regularly watched South Park, but I should probably go look that up. That actually does sound very funny to me. <laughs> uh, the Doors of Your Mind. Let's yeah. go to that one. Um, okay. What's that one all about? 
So the doors of your mind, um, like the elevator game and also like uh, the black telephone game, which I think we're also probably going to talk about tonight. Those are all those are like three of the four chapters or four games that make up the the Long Strange Ships chapter um, in the book. Um, and so what they kind of the, the Long Strange. So the, the, the chapter divisions for the book um, sort of develop. They develop pretty naturally because within within the, the genre of, you know, ritual games or ritual pastas or whatever you want to call them. There are a lot of different subgenres. Like ritual pastas. That's a good name yeah. for it. <laughs> that's, that's one of the things. I mean, because there a lot of them are synonymous with creepypasta, so, um, you know, kind of the, the, the even slightly more specific term for that one is ritual pasta. Um, some people use that, some people don't. Cut up to you. Um, but they all kind of have... Uh, they have like a specific purpose, you know, sometimes, sometimes they're games that you are supposed to play with a lot of people, which is kind of what are in the party games chapter, games that require a lot of people to play. Um, you know, sometimes you're just trying to like summon a spirit. Sometimes you're actually trying to like get some information out of whatever you summon. And so those are kind of the games of knowledge. Um, and the long strange chips, uh, these are the ones that I tend to think of as journey games. Um, and I think what I like about these games so much is that the journey can it can mean something very different. Um, I think the way I put it in the chapter introduction is something about um, it, you know the games might transport you as far away as another world, or they might bring you somewhere as close as your own subconscious. So like in the doors of your mind, what you're the journey that you're taking is into your own head, basically into your own headspace. Um, and it's kind of this one is is also interesting because it's kind of like it's it's actually very easily done. It's basically a guided meditation. Like that's what it is. Um, there's a twist to it, but that's essentially what it is. Um, and I I do know also I I this is when I did not grow up playing, but um, I have like I found a ton of um, like internet forums with people posting about hey does anyone remember this like weird game that we used to play in the nineties we called a black door white door some people call it red door yellow door for other it's it's the game of seven doors um, mm, and it's it's really it's doors. all yeah. So it's and it's all this it's all the same game. Um, it's just kind of the way you approach it, you know, can be more or less elaborate depending on on which version that you play. Um, so with Doors of Your Mind, uh, it's again going back to that like weird hypnotism thing that we used to try to do on the playground. It's like you would you'd lie down with you know your head in your friend's lap and they rub your temples and and you know try to put you into some kind of weird trance. It never worked, but we had fun trying. Uh, the Doors of Your Mind has pretty much that same setup, but then it's a bit more structured. Um, so the idea is for one person to kind of act as a guide, um, and then the other person to sort of be, uh, I don't know, I guess I'll call them the explorer, um, kind of seems to make sense. Yeah, it's a half-assed um, guided meditation service. It is kind of. Half-assed. So, um, you know, whoever, <laughs> well. whoever's, whoever's doing the whole, like, you know, rubbing your temples thing, um, you know, they're supposed to kind of help you conjure up you know, an image of, like, this big corridor or hallway full of doors in your mind's Mm -hmm. eye. And, like, everything that's in that hallway is supposed to tell you something about yourself from what it looks like to, you know, what's behind each door. To even, you know, how how it smells, how, you know, whether it's a certain temperature. Um, So your guide is uh, kind of leads you into this hallway. And then you're, if you're the explorer, you're supposed to describe everything that, like, you see, touch, hear, smell, the whole lot. Um, You can go anywhere you want. You can open any doors you want. Uh, the important thing is to kind of keep talking about what you're seeing to your guide. Um, some suggest some sets of rules also suggest that like you you know start a tape recorder going or you know like the the voice app on your phone you know since most of us don't have tape recorders anymore, um, and that way you can kind of like go back and listen to whatever whatever you said um, you know later on at your at your leisure so that you can kind of you know figure out what your brain might be trying to tell you about like. Maybe you're dealing with some weird struggles, so, you know, what you find behind a door might tell you that. If you can't get into a certain door, um, you can kind of think about, compare what what you saw while you were on your weird trip into the doors of your mind with, uh, you know, things that might be going on in your life, and you can kind of maybe so you've got use that to get some insight. 
you've got listed here the doors of your mind. You've got risk level low, object, objective, explore your own mind, reward, knowledge, self-actualization, knowing who you truly are, and you have additional warnings. Again, you have fire. So, yeah, <laughs> so yeah that's, I mean, it's, it's uh, one of the things that's suggested is that you, you light a candle. Um, so, you know, again, it's just... There's, there's a flame in the room with you. It's live. Make sure you have a fire extinguisher. Don't put it near a curtain that's going to light on fire, things like that. So, <laughs> I mean, to be perfectly honest, the, the, the additional warnings thing is partially sort of a cover our ass kind of thing. Um, you know, just know that there's going to be a candle and you probably shouldn't leave it unattended and, you know, take, take precautions. Don't, don't, you know, leave it just kind of sitting on the floor on its own. You might want to put it in a candle holder, put it in a little dish if it's a tea light. Don't douse like yourself that. in gasoline. That too, <laughs> important. <laughs> you probably have to make those those statements too, considering. Yeah, considering we're dealing with yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It did it did sort of occur to me. Where I was like, okay, well, what if someone does one of these and then something goes terribly wrong and then they try to blame the book for it? Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, the 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 thing with these games is that I I tend to approach them from. Uh, I, I mean, they're stories to me. You know, they're, they're, that's where a lot of my background is in, is in storytelling. It's, it's a story. You know, it's, it's a piece of fiction. And it's kind of the way they're written is sort of intended to have the reader be the protagonist, if you will. But, you know, you could also conceivably do them. So just be careful, people. <laughs> One of the uh, reasons why I find this chapter so, I guess, fascinating, I was talking with Lobo before the show. Both myself and Lobo are big Clive Barker fans, and for oh. whatever reason, this just spoke to me along the lines of like the the Hellraiser box. Like when you go yeah. through and you play with this box, and you open it up, your trans- configuration. Yeah, the lament configuration. You're transported to like a different world, and you know it was like like who doesn't want to get away from reality, and who doesn't want to go yeah. to a different world? Who who doesn't get tired who doesn't of the like daily life? Who doesn't want to get trapped in a mystical, strange hotel that you can't escape from at some point or another? So, as far um, as I know, there are, there are, there's no pinhead in in any of these these alternate worlds waiting for you. So at least there's damn that. It. <laughs> that you want Sorry. us to think. <laughs> um, yeah. But moving along, you've got another one here: the black telephone. Now, before we go yeah. into this one, I'll say right off the bat. Lobo, for the longest time, had a telephone in his basement that wasn't hooked up to anything. And people who listen to past episodes would sometimes hear this telephone just go off. Now, Lobo, you were saying it was a rotary phone or was it a push-button phone? No, it remember. was a push-button phone, but I did have a rotary phone in this house for the longest time. You can still use them. Yeah. yeah. They're just, you know, they're quaint. Now, for this one, you've got risk level high, objective, use a rotary telephone to visit another world. Now, kids, long before cell phones were a thing, you <laughs> used to have to dial on a rotary phone, and speed dial was how fast you could push the dial, the rotary back to the number that you were going to next to make it dial quicker. Uh, you've got reward, uh, the ride of a lifetime, and you've got additional warnings of none. So tell us what the black telephone is and give us some of the background behind it. Okay, so the black telephone. This is another one that uh, also um, I want to say it came out of Japan. Um, it's it hit the internet around the same time that the elevator game did. Which granted, the elevator game is Korean, but it was kind of starting to circulate at that same time. And what's interesting to me is that the, both of those games and a lot of the a lot of a lot of the games that kind of were coming out of that particular time uh, they're built around the idea of repetition. You know, in the elevator game, it's you push the buttons in a certain way and you do that a couple of times. Um, in the black telephone game, the whole thing is that you, you find a black rotary telephone. Um, that actually, to be honest, the hardest part of this game might be finding a rotary telephone at this point. Um, and a place I, I to plug it into landline. and still yeah. get service because nobody has landlines anymore. Exactly. I haven't had a landline I do. in like at least 10 years. Shut so. up. <laughs> I still have a landline. Okay. that's. I mean, I, I have one. 
probably my first post-college apartment, which, you know, would have been like in the mid 2000s, I want to say, because my, mm. my mom was like, uh, I, I actually, because I, I moved to, I, when I moved to New York uh, for, for school in the, in the early 2000s, um, that, that huge blackout of 2003 had literally just happened. Like it happened like maybe a couple of weeks before I moved in. So my mom was like, what if the, what if the phone line goes down and, 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 and what if, what if the, the cell towers are down and, and you can't make calls in your cell phone? So I did actually have a landline for a couple of years. Eventually uh, when I moved out of that apartment, I just didn't bother to get another one and it's been I fine. I still have I still have one because I have three children in the house, two of which have cell phones and one that does not. So that's, for some reason, the wife seems to think that we need a goddamn landline. Just in case. <laughs> in case of what? All the freaking telemarketers call me? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> do they still call landlines? I, do they? Yes, I, yeah, I guess uh, they do. would. They, yeah. they did when I had one, but again, that was 10 years ago. So <laughs> I just got called today, left a message about drapes. What do oh, I, I don't, man. I don't need drapes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Um, okay. Anyway, so if you're Sorry. able to find, you know, find a rotary telephone, and it, it has to be black. It's actually very important. You cannot use another colored telephone. What I, what it's not totally clear is whether you could like find a rotary telephone that's a different color and paint it black. That might work. Um, you could try that. If it doesn't, then go find one that was black to begin with. Um, but anyway, then you're supposed to tie a length of cord to the handset, um, and then there's this whole sequence of like picking it up, calling a certain number, hanging it up, calling a different different number, and then going and hiding in a room in your house for exactly one minute. Um, and you repeat that process a couple of times, hiding in a different place each time. And then on the very last repetition, you dial a completely different number. Uh, you go to a room, you close the door, you are supposed to tie a second length of cord in a very specific kind of knot to the doorknob with your eyes closed. It's very important, so it's not super easy to do. Um, and then when you open your eyes, you're supposed to be somewhere else. Um, this is supposed to be indicated by the window panes of the room turning completely black. Uh, so you could always, like do all of this, get that far, and if you open your eyes and the window panes are still normal, then either it didn't work or it's fiction. You know, your your choice. Um, so the game is, it's it's more involved than the elevator game, but it does still have that that element of repetition, which is interesting to me. Um, then there there is a method for returning to your original world. Um, it, it involves like searching around the room that, you know, you, you, you went to that has the black window panes and looking for a number, any sort of number. Um, and that's kind of like the key to getting you to getting you back home again. Um, and the technically the, the reason there are no additional warnings for this one is because there's no like you don't have to light any candles. Uh, you don't have to prick your finger and provide any blood like you're not you're not doing. Any, I would have missed the like, telemarketers. Myself. Well, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's accurate. <laughs> that would have been funny. It's a, it's a missed opportunity, alas. But um, but the risk level is still you know relatively high because the whole thing is like if you're if you're supposedly transporting yourself to another you know plane of existence or whatever, like you could get lost, you could have trouble coming back. So I would consider that a relatively high stakes game. Outstanding. Yeah, I would say that was a high stakes game. <laughs> Never come back? Yeah. I mean, yeah. unless that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, there is, there's one game that, um, I, okay. So yeah. So the, um, the closet to another world, which we weren't ostensibly, I mean, we weren't really going to talk about, Go but ahead. we, we can mention it. We can mention it briefly. Um, the closet to another world game is one where the whole thing is there is no way back. Like it's like these other, the, 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 the long strange trip games, it's supposed to transport you to a, you know, some sort of other dimension or other plane of existence or what have you. Um, but there's no way to return. <laughs> so that's one of those ones that like you only do if you absolutely do not want to come back because mm. <laughs> once you do it you're stuck 
That's unfortunate. Yeah. Although there have been, there, there's been some, that one actually on, um, I, I covered that in, a, in, in some capacity on the site, and sometimes it gets linked to in some subreddits geared towards dimension jumping. So sometimes people have asked, like, okay, well, if you do the closet game, and or the closet to another world, the closet game is a different game, the closet to another world, if you do that one and you don't like where you end up, can you do it again and then go to another alternate dimension or what have you? Um, oh. So I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, obviously, I, I have not gone to another dimension as far as I know yet. Um, but in theory, yes, you could do that. <laughs> if we live in a multiverse, that is. So yeah. So do what you're that. saying is you could go, you can play the game, go to a different dimension, and then find another closet and go from... So you could, like conceivably just continually jump dimensions eternally. This sounds yeah. like sliders. You just, I think you, it's like sliders. Yeah, yeah you, you have, you have no control over where you go, much like sliders. Um, but, and I mean, I suppose it's possible that at some point you could jump into a universe that has no closets, in which case you would be a little bit screwed because then you can't use that method anymore. But um, So know. am I going to be looking for a new co-host soon? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Later, losers! Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, what happened to Lobo? He went back in the closet. No, no, that's not what I whoa, meant. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. never a closet to come out of. Different kind Where of closet. Where I come from, you don't need a closet. You bust through the wall and kill things. All right, let's just, um, since we brought it up so many times, and this is one yeah. of my favorite ones in your, we, 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 we brought up the Elevator Man one, right? Yep. Okay, so we'll skip over that one. Let's go to the Raven Man, which is actually off of your site. This one yeah. is very reminiscent of, of an, it is a summoning ritual. It's very much along yeah. the lines yeah, of actual magic. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, like, this is, this is an old one too. I covered this one very early in the site's lifespan. I think it was sometime within the first year or so. Um, uh, although interestingly, a couple of months ago, I got a sudden influx of traffic and I'm not sure what caused that spike. I, someone must have mentioned it somewhere and people went searching for it. Um, what was unusual to me about the Raven Man when I first found it um, is that I found both single player and multiplayer versions of it floating around, which I hadn't really seen in other games that I'd covered up until that point. It's it's a bit more common now. Um, like there are you know two different ways you can play like the hide and seek alone game. You know one is just by yourself and one is with some other people. Um, but I hadn't seen that quite so much. Um, and to be perfectly honest, the, the Raven it's not it's not a great game. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think it's kind of trying too hard to be spooky, and I don't think the whole person as an offering thing really works. Um, I also don't love how gendered the multiplayer one is. Like, it, it's the whole, like, you must have a virgin girl as an offering thing is, like, really cheesy. Yeah, that's like trying to find a rotary telephone these and days. It's like, not anyways. great for a variety of reasons. So I don't, I don't love that section of it. And I think if I were going to cover this now, I would probably approach it slightly differently. Um, but it does have a tangible prize, Um as a result, which is important for some people. Like, a lot of the games, these kinds of games, like, they don't have prizes. It's just about the experience of playing. But um, for a lot of people, it's like, why would you bother playing them unless you stand to win something pretty spectacular? So I think this game is often appealing for that version, uh, for that reason anyway. So depending on the version that you play, the Raven Man will either, like, do something for you if you do it successfully, or he'll answer some questions for you. Um, so it, it could be filed under contacting the other side. It could be filed under summoning your spirits. It could be filed under games of knowledge. It kind of fits a lot of different umbrellas but um but you're right that it is it is you know more like it's it's basically like a blood magic kind of thing that's what you're trying to do um and the summoning isn't too dissimilar from how you're supposed to summon the midnight man if you're going to play the midnight game you know it involves making a circle and then there's some blood and then you say some things um and uh i i do think what's sort of interesting though is that there is um there's a containment method in 
both of these versions, you know, both Salt the single player and, and the three candles. player. Yeah, and so like in both cases, you you create a circle, and one of them is salt, and one of them is a circle of stones. Um, and he's meant to appear within that circle, and he can't get out of it. Um, so I think that's that's kind of one of those very important details, um, and, and one of the things that kind of makes it more like more like a magic kind of thing as opposed to you know um, a, a, a game. You know, so this one is more ritual than game, I would argue. Now, this one I'll go into a little bit more because this is actually on your site and people can go mm-hmm. look this up. Whereas the book, yeah. I don't like to give too much of the book away because I genuinely want people to buy this book. But with this one, you've got in here, it says, uh, draw a circle of salt, which is very common in a lot of magical rituals and yeah. summoning rituals. Do not step inside the circle. Line up the five candles uh, up in front of you, which is usually they line the candles up around the circle for the most part. Yeah, uh, in using, this case, it's it's in front of them, yeah. Yeah, using matches or a lighter, light the, can- the first four candles in sequence. While lighting them, recite the following incantation, lighting one candle per line. On this dark night... Uh, I call on the raven man. Uh, ra- the, I call on the raven man appear before me here and now and do my will. So you say that every single time you light a candle, or is it a different part of the ritual that you read as you go along? Uh, it's per line. Actually, well, there's sort of a, a little bit of a, a, a. I should probably go fix this on the site. Um, I when I originally wrote this game, uh, I was you know it was just on like a ghostofmymachine.wordpress.com site. I didn't have the proper .com myself, and I was you know working off of a, a template. So it actually uh-huh. got migrated over to the current site. Um, and it got jumbled. <laughs> a couple years ago. Yeah. And it looks like it got jumbled, and I should probably fix that. Um, but it's kind of like where, uh, for anyone who is listening right now and can't see what I'm looking at, um, there are places where, like, words are kind of, like, stuck together so that they look like one word. That is that is an error. They should be on separate lines. So what you would do is you would light one candle on each line. So it would be on this dark night, you light a candle on that one. I call on the Raven Man, light a candle on that one. Appear before me here and now, light a candle on that one. And do my will, light a candle on that one. So you would light one candle per line. So you actually you have to thank the Raven Man. It says, do not bypass this step. <laughs> That's very important. <laughs> so... Um, what's the thing I want to ask you? I'm, uh, briefly backtracking. You have in the uh, in the um, in the elevator game. You've got where the little girl comes into the elevator, and you're not supposed to talk to the little girl. Yeah. And the reward for that one is you end up in this weird hotel, walking or, or whatever the building is. You walk around a floor of this building that's supposedly vacant or whatever, and you might not be able to come back. And all of these things, like in that one, what happens if you do talk to the little girl? Does she like consume your soul, or does that's she make you buy her Pokemon? Or <laughs> the implication is that she'll like you know, eat you or kill you or do something like that. Um, it's most of the sources are kind of vague on it. And I, I kind of, I like the vagueness because um, for me, when it comes to like weird spooky things, I, I always find that like what I don't see or what I don't know is often much scarier than what I do see. Um, you know, it's why I don't always actually like in, you know, horror movies, I don't always like seeing the monster. I sometimes what my brain will come up with is a lot scarier than what any, you know, special effects company could do. That brings um, me back so, to the Raven Man, because you don't actually describe yeah. what the guy looks like in here. Real oh, well. yeah. No, yeah, we, we don't know. We don't know what he is like. I it, And it's never expressly said what he is like. I He seems to be some kind of boogeyman figure, uh-huh. um, you know, which exists in tons and tons and tons of different cultures. So I, I, I think it's tapping into that. Um, I always sort of got the feeling that he wasn't necessarily like a Raven himself because it's mm-hmm. i suppose it's possible that he could be like a giant you know man with a raven yeah, head or I, something I envision like Horus. <laughs> um yeah yeah it could be that uh, i always sort of got got the feeling that he was more like of the ravens like he'd probably be just like a weird creepy looking dude who constantly has ravens flying around him and that he can kind of like send out to do whatever he wants like his own personal army of flying monkeys or what have you <laughs> He's um, a creeper. but 
but it's kind of up to you, like whatever you think he looks like. And it's also possible that like, you know, if you summon him, he might not look the same to you as he would to someone else who summons him. He might be different. Um, and I, I think there's one of the things that I like about so many of these games is that they do have that element of uh, letting it be very personal to the person who's reading it or to the person who's going to try to, you know, attempt to play these games or what have you. Um, and you assure me that there's the no Cenobites from Hellraiser in any of this, correct? You, for the second time. <laughs> as far as I know, I have never encountered any descriptions of things that made me think. If there's actually, if any of them would be would be a Cenobite, then it would probably be the Midnight Man. So mm. going back to this one again, the re- you've got releasing the Raven Man on here. You've got very specifically do not blow the candles out. Use either a candle snuffer or pinch them out with your fingers. Uh, clean up the salt, but do not dispose of it. Instead, place it outside any doors leading into your home. Keep your object mm-hmm. of protection, protection close by for the night for several days. This sounds already ominous. Like, do I really want to do this? Do yes, not go do. anywhere yeah. without it. For leaving behind, might invite the, uh, the Raven Man to call upon you for a service, and you don't want to do whatever he has. He asks you. Trust me. Really, I can read. I promise. But um, <laughs> this ver- this is very. Most of the stuff in this is very, very similar to actual magic summoning practices. Yeah. It's very in depth. Yes. So yeah, and, and actually, this is this is one of the ones where I actually I am not totally sure where this one originated. It's 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 one of those ones that just kind of like I saw it copied and pasted a couple of different times, like both versions. You know, it showed up on Wattpad a bunch of times. It showed up on a bunch of Tumblers. Um, so I don't, I was I was unable to determine where this one originally came from. Um, I could probably go back and do a little a little more digging now, um, especially since this one I covered very early in the game and I wasn't doing quite as much, uh, like, extensive background research um, into the games as I tend to do now. You know, it's sort of how I cover the games evolved over time as, you know, as I found that there was more to dig up. Um, but I, I kind of have always sort of gotten the feeling that these ones were probably, were probably made up, but it's possible that they were made up by someone who is familiar with, you know, actual practices. Um, so I, this would be one of those ones that I, I should probably look into again to see if I can find more about where it came from. This is a complete summoning yep. spell. Like if you want to summon a demon or something, here you go. Good luck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing it's missing is the name of, like, uh, I'm not going to tell anybody, but, uh, yeah, it's missing names. <laughs> That's what it's missing. It is missing names, yep. Everything else outside of, like, uh, specific other markers that you would use, other other uh, other things that an adept would have. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's only there. a few small things that are missing. Like there's, you know, it's missing hematite, it's missing uh, tiger's eye, it's missing malachite. You're missing water. You're missing other elements that you might have for a summoning. Mm-hmm. And specifically, like the main event, do not capital N O T anger, provoke, disrespect, or irritate the Raven Man. Super happy fun ball may explode if played with too aggressively. Do not taunt super happy fun ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Bagel glass. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, and that's actually, the, these kinds of things are, it's, it's a common thread through the, the games that summon things, is uh, do not be disrespectful because you will get your ass handed to you, basically. <laughs> the three-person version of the game is far riskier than the one-person version. For this reason, the three-person version should not be attempted more than once, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there are also a lot of games where it's like, don't do this more than once, especially because, uh, I mean, like, I, in some 
in some games, it's because if you if you do it more than once, you're opening yourself up to the influence of whatever you've summoned, and you you might find it hard to maintain control over your own actions at that point. Um, in uh, in some of in, in like the bath game, Darumasan, uh, that's another one where you like you summon a you know weird freaky lady, and she follows you around for a day, and uh, and it, you're you're supposed to not play that game a second time because if you do, it's sort of like that game sort of plays like red light green light. And if you play it for a second time, where she'll start will be where she was when you ended the game the last time. So she'll be a lot closer to you. So it will be much harder for you to win. Um, so there are kind of, there are a lot of different stipulations for why you shouldn't play the, these games more than once in some cases. Um, in this one, it would probably not be a great idea to play it more than once, especially because I, I think it's, it's, it's implied that the Raven man is kind of, he, he's not super happy to be summoned. Um, <laughs> you're kind of bringing him there against your will, against his will. So, if you summon him again, he he might not he might not play so nice. So yeah, they typically don't. <laughs> You've got the Raven Man's answers may be vague or enigmatic, but they will always be correct. Uh, yeah. During the three player version, it's not recommended that the encounter ask the Raven Man more than three questions. Yeah, you're kind of putting this guy on a time schedule, and it, it, it must suck. <laughs> I've said this before in other shows. Like, if you're a demon or an angel or something. Like, you've got demon and angel stuff to do, and you've probably got raven man stuff to do. The last thing that you want to be doing is being summoned all the time. So, I mean, don't be surprised if you get a knock on your door one of these days going, hey, can, can, you know, this guy, like, can you take this stuff off your site? I've, I've got I've got important raven man shit to do, you know? So, you know, <laughs> I just see, like, this bird man knocking on your door saying, hey, thanks, can you, can you pull that down? Could you do that? So, Let's um let's get to the last one, which is for, for what I have written down, which is the dumb supper. What is that? Because yeah. this is also on your website as well. Yeah. So this is and this is one that I did pretty recently. This one was I, I posted it earlier in the summer, and this is an example of a game that does actually come from a long-standing folk tradition. Um, and actually, what had happened was someone someone had emailed me um, asking if I'd look into it. So I did a little preliminary research, and I was like, "Oh, this looks interesting." So uh, I, I made it an option. One, the one of the ways that if you guys also if you want to have a say in what games I cover, um, there you get poll uh, like voting permissions uh, in one of the tiers of the Patreon campaign. So what usually happens is you know I'll come up with um, you know each time I'm, I'm getting ready to do a game, I will come up with a poll with three different options. Post that people who have that who have those the voting permissions vote on which one they want me to cover and then whichever one gets the most votes are the one that's the one I do. Um, so this one won the Patreon poll for that one. Um, and uh, what was interesting to this one is we, we actually the, the background is a little hazy. Um, like it, it might exist in a bunch of different areas of the world. It's frequently tied to like the uh, Appalachia and the Ozarks in the United States, but sometimes it's tied to Celtic tradition. Um, we do have accounts from it dating back to like the early early 20th century or so um, in the United States. Um, and what I what I kind of like about this one is that also it's there you could use it to do a lot of different things. Um, in its older versions, it's often used as one of those. Uh, you know, get a glimpse of who you're going to marry games, um, which you see a lot of in old folklore. Um, like one of the precursors to Bloody Mary is also like a see who you're going to marry game. Uh, and uh, so with this, one, what you do is you are supposed to prepare a meal backwards, like you prepare everything backwards. What that means is kind of up for interpretation. So we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, but uh, in, in the whole, you know, see who you're going to marry uh, version, uh, the whole thing is that like someone is supposed to come to your door and knock on the door and you're supposed to feed them and that'll be who you're eventually going to marry. Um, if no one comes, 
or if something really spooky comes, then it, you might not marry anyone, and in fact, you might die before you get married. <laughs> um, which is actually one of the one of the tales that we have, which I want to say comes from the from the Ozark region. Um, this one dates back to the early 20th century. So, like two girls, like they prepare the meal, um, and then a bunch of like super weird shit goes down. Their door opens. First, an empty coffin slides in, and then later on, one of the girls dies. <laughs> young and unmarried. <laughs> empty coffin Oops. slides yeah, in. Yeah, just slides in. Yeah, it just kind of comes in. Really weird. Um, and yes, sure enough, one of the girls, she dies before she gets married and she dies very, very young. Uh, but then there's also a young man also stops by and he, he walks into the room silently. He drops a pocket knife he had with him. He eats and then he leaves without saying a word. Um, the other girl, the other girl picks up the knife and sometimes later she does end up marrying this guy. Uh, and then when she's cleaning one day, uh, she finds the knife and she sews it to him and he loses a shit and kills her with it. Um, he says something about it having been the worst night of his life. It's very vague. No one really like it, I, I haven't found any specifics around exactly what that part of the story is meant to be. But it's very, very strange. So it could end very poorly. Um, at the same time, though, you can also use the Dumb Supper to like send messages to loved ones who might be deceased. Um, and from what I have read of uh, accounts of people who have held dumb suppers more recently, uh, particularly for that reason, they report the experience being very warm and comforting and spiritual and great. So your mileage may vary. <laughs> <laughs> so what exactly do you mean by pre- preparing a dinner in reverse? I don't I, like, how, yeah, how do you, how do you unmake dinner? Backwards. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like it's, uh, it's there are a lot of different ways you can interpret interpret that, and I think it might be one of those things where if you interpret it one way and you do it and it doesn't work, then you might be like, okay, maybe my interpretation was incorrect and I should try something else. Um, when it comes to cooking, um, I would say it's probably less like take a recipe and like make it with each, um, you know, going doing each step of the, the 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 recipe in reverse. I think it's less that and more like if you're going to serve three courses, start by preparing the dessert, whereas you would normally start, you know, by preparing the appetizer. And then mm-hmm. once the dessert is made, prepare the main and then prepare the appetizer. So you kind of think broad strokes in that in that sense. Okay. Um, I would also recommend like don't try to like slice anything behind your back, like if you need to, you know, cut a pepper or what have you, because <laughs> you'll probably hurt yourself. But maybe, you know, as you're moving around the kitchen to retrieve whatever item you're about to slice, walk backwards, um, that kind of thing. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a common sense, you know, do what you can, don't put yourself in danger. Um, so cook dinner like you're on Twin Peaks. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sometimes her arms bend back. You know? Now I see Gordon Ramsay summoning a demon in a kitchen at this point. Oh, that would be hilarious. He is a demon in a kitchen. <laughs> The demon shows up and he yells at it. What are you, an idiot? Um, it's wrong. It's sandwich. <laughs> you use so much pi- spice in this. People are folding space. Anyways, um, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's so a anyways, nerd. Then also, when it comes to like, you're also supposed to serve the meal in reverse. So again, like you would serve the the courses in reverse. Uh, but when it comes to actually eating. Uh, Again, you could make the argument for, like, if you turn the chairs around at the table so that the back is against the table, so the chairs are opposite the way they would normally be, you could either sit on the chair backwards so that you're still facing the table, so you're kind of, you know, like, straddling it, um, but the back of the chair is in front of you. Eat that eat that way, and that could count. Or, like, you could place the chair backwards and then sit on it normally so that your own back is facing the table. You would grab your plate, you know, put it on your lap and eat that way. That also counts as eating backwards. So there's flexibility um, in terms of what exactly that means. I love how you're really good at interpreting the rules and clarifying them for this stuff. You try. That's <laughs> kind of a job, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, really. I guess so. Um, I think about a lot of weird things. 
So I got to ask you before we go, um, have you yourself ever had anything really strange happen to you to spark your interest in this kind of thing? Have you had any kind of paranormal unexplained experiences or is this just something you naturally gravitate to? Uh, kind of yes and no. Mostly it's stuff that I just sort of naturally gravitate to. Um, I am generally skeptical. Um, it's, it's kind of, I, I tend to approach things from the point of view of like, I, I haven't seen anything that has made me convinced that like ghosts exist yet. Uh, but I'm not counting out that something could happen. Um, I've had a few weird things that I were things that I could still explain by other means. So that's why I'm not totally convinced. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually, I, uh, I, I, I'm thinking of reposting this essay, uh, for the Halloween season again this time, but, um, a couple of years ago during the Halloween season, I posted an essay. That's probably the closest that I have to, um, a, a real, a real ghost story that like I experienced, um, where many, many, many years ago, um, we were visiting my grandparents and my grandparents' house was pretty, pretty old. Um, and, we had brought our dog, who was this, like, tiny, fluffy white thing. He was a, a good dog, but also, like, absurd-looking. Like, absolutely absurd-looking. Um, uh, he, he was a teacup Maltese. Okay. Uh, he was small and fluffy and white. He was about the length of my elbow to my fingertips, so he was very small. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, his name was Swiffer, because my brother threatened him off the floor with him when my mom brought him home. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, just, like, I wanted to name him Spike because I thought it would be funny to have a small fluffy white dog named Spike, but he was very much a swerver, so it kind of just stuck. But um, So we, we were visiting. So my grandparents, we lived in Massachusetts at the time. My grandparents lived in New Jersey. So we had driven down and, and, and we're, we're over there. Um, and my uh, uh, another, another I, I'm trying to remember which relative had the other dog. There was another dog in the house at the time that didn't belong to my grandparents, but that was also there. Um, And the house, there was this corner of the house that was kind of right by the stairs that we didn't really go there very often because it was mostly just like full of like really uncomfortable furniture um, and like some photographs and stuff. It was kind of like a sitting area, but no one ever sat there. It was mostly like if there was a gathering in the winter, that's where the coats went, Um, that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I, I never really liked that area. It always made me feel really, really weird. So it was like if I ever had to go up the stairs, I would sort of like sprint up them because I didn't really like being around that area. Um, and one day there was some kind of family gathering um, and most of us were hanging out in the kitchen. And then one of my relatives comes in and is just like, guys, you have to come look at this. Um, and we go and, you know, we get led around to this this wacky little corner that I don't like. And both of the dogs are just sitting there with, like, their haunches raised, just growling at that corner. There's nothing there. Um, they're just, they're growling. And neither one of these dogs were growlers either. They were, like, really, really sweet-tempered little things. Um, and, like, we we don't usually see them looking that aggressive, and they're just sitting there growling. And then they did that for a few seconds, and then after that, they, they just kind of, like, stopped and wandered off. And it was like they had never, they had never seen anything over there, and they just kind of, you know, wandered off to go do their little puppy things. Um, and that was weird. Like, it was one of those things where it's possible that, like, maybe they just saw a mouse or something. It was an old house. Um, but at the same time, having the dogs have that strong a reaction to that area and, um, you know, knowing how generally I tended to feel about that spot, it was kind of weird. That's as close as I've got. It doesn't really have a good wrap-up to the story. It's just kind of, you know, it is what it is. Generally, life isn't story-shaped as much as I like it to be. Mm-hmm. Um but so that's probably the closest that I have to a real ghost story. Um, I, I did also last fall, I actually, um, for my, my day job, which was great, um, I, I got sent to a haunted Airbnb, uh, which was also, again, in a very, very old house in uh, in Maine, um, which is great. It's called the Weld Street Inn. Y'all should go to it. It's fantastic. 
Um, and that one, it's like they did like a full ghost hunt while I was there, which was really, really cool. Um, and while I was sleeping that night, I was staying in what was um, uh, apparently the most active room in the house. Um, I, I don't totally know if what I experienced was necessarily ghosts or if it was just like me being in a high stress situation. One of the things I, you know, I had, uh, sometimes I have sleep paralysis. It sucks, but I always know what it is. Um, so it's not like I don't, I don't wake up having an episode of sleep paralysis and like, you know, feel like I'm getting abducted by aliens or whatever. Like I always know what it is and it's, it's unpleasant. And I, but I know that I'm dreaming and I know that it's going to probably pass in a second. Um, I hadn't had one for a really, really, really long time. And then the night that I was staying there, I had two. Um, so that was weird. Um, <laughs> and it was the kind of one where, like, when I woke up, I felt like someone was holding me down. It was that kind of sleep paralysis. Um, so, you know, usually you're, the, the whole sleep paralysis thing, it, it's often uh, what you what you kind of feel like is happening to you is usually what's going on in whatever you're dreaming at that point. But it felt like the dream I was having was someone holding me down, which was weird. Um but also, it was set in that room, so like I, I was physically in that room while I was having the sensation of being held down. So like I never, I never have sleep paralysis and like think I'm somewhere else. I'm, I'm always in the room that I'm in. Um, and then also at one point in the wee hours of the morning, I may or may not have heard some strange knocking noises, which apparently happens there frequently. Um, I, again, I was kind of half asleep though, so I'm not totally sure. <laughs> so I have a lot of very inconclusive things that maybe if I were more of an out and out believer, I might be like, yes, that was absolutely ghosts. Um, but it's weird all the same, you know? <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> We're at the end of all of this now. So this is the chance where I give you the opportunity to promote anything you want. So where can people find your website? Tell them where they can buy their book, uh, buy the book, anything you want to put out there. All right. The website is the ghost in my machine. Um, it is just the ghost in my machine.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Um, Facebook is again, the ghost in my machine. Twitter is ghost machine 13. Uh, the book is dangerous games to play in the dark. Um, it's full title is dangerous games to play in the dark, a guide to summoning spirits, dividing the future and invoking the supernatural. Um, that is being released by Chronicle books, uh, on September 3rd. It is currently available for pre-order. Um, so you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on, you know, Barnes and Noble. Uh, it's got an entry on IndieBound. If you'd like to shop at your local independent bookstore, you can find out if they've got it there. Um, you can go to Chronicles own website. It's it's kind of all over the place. So um, I hope you guys enjoy it if you do decide to purchase it. It's not that expensive either. It's it's like uh, yeah, you've it's, got, it's it's priced at thirteen dollars. Yeah, which it's, is not. It's a great little book. I really do love this book. It's really cool. And the the cool thing is is like there like it's like I said there are legit summoning rituals in here. It's like like the elev- If you're gonna play the elevator game, you have to have this book to do it because it's such an in depth thing you kind of like have to look through the book as you're doing it to play some of these and it's it's an instruction how-to manual with very many of these some of them are kind of like yeah. okay this is urban legendy this is kind of fun but there's some really cool like if you're into magic magic kind of things in here i i, I really yeah, love I did, this book I tried, to, I tried to position them so that like you could conceivably play them like the the rules are laid out in such a way that you could use this as sort of an instruction book so i am glad that that came across hurrah <laughs> So, are you planning on doing this again? That's the only other thing I gotta ask. Are you gonna try uh, to do another one of these? Yeah. Uh, at some point, I would love to. Um, I I I have to. I've got a lot of balls in the air right now, so it would, it would be a matter of me. Uh, like, I have a lot of ideas for a follow up book, whether it's another volume of this or whether it's um, something that's kind of. Uh, I've had a, a a thought in my head for a book that's sort of more like the encyclopedia section of the Ghost of My Machine of the mm-hmm. website. Um, but neither of those ideas are fleshed out right now, but what I really need to do is like sit down and start 
just start planning out another one and, you know, starting to pitch that. So I would love to, is my answer. I don't have one in the works right at this very moment, but I, I would I would really love to write another one in the future. So How long did it take to put this one that. together? Um, this one, I actually, I, I wrote this one very, very quickly because when um, when Chronicle contacted me, they, they wanted to get it for the um, fall 2019 uh, spooky season, which, you know, is what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to do that, so I, I wrote the proposal in the middle of May in 2018. Um, we got the book greenlit in the middle of June, and then the draft had to be in by the middle of August. Wow. Um, I wrote like a maniac for two months is what I did. Wow. Um, You know, and then we spent a couple of months, you know, doing revisions and whatnot. Um, So we had more time. Uh, But so this was, I want to say it was maybe about a year and a half. And I would like to not have to write a book in two months again. Uh, I did get it done, but um, it would be a more enjoyable process. You did this in two months. This is is insane, the amount (laughs) that you did this this fast. (laughs) Judas Priest. I mean, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but that's really cool. Thank <laughs> you. I, I, I put in a lot of hours, so I'm glad it. I'm glad it paid off, and it was it was fun. And uh, again, since it was this, the first book I'd ever written, like you know, again, I, I have written thousands and thousands and thousands of words on the internet, but I'd never done like a full book before. So, and when does it, it come out again? Uh, September third. Okay, Lo, I'm going to be buying. I'll, I'll say this on there. I'm going to buy Lobo a copy and send him a copy of it, just because I want him to have it. Just it, it's. Awesome. <laughs> You know, yeah, people do go out and buy this. I, I know I push a lot of books on here. This isn't very much, and it's really worth the money. It's just a cool book to have laying around. You know, it just it's neat. You know, it's it's a cool bathroom book. Sure, we'll call it that. But um, works for me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hell, a lot of the games do take place in a bathroom. So you know, it's fine. perfect. <laughs> Bathrooms are ominous, dark places at times. They are. <laughs> Oof. Why do you have so many bathroom ghosts? <laughs> Not someplace you want to be stuck for long periods of time, especially with a book like this. But um, legs will fall asleep. Thank you for coming on here, and thank you for doing this again, everybody. Please go check out our website, The Ghost in My Machine, and again, please do buy this book. It's great. I love it. Thank you, Lucia, for coming on here. It's been a blast, as always, talking to you. Always informative. Um, I, I love having you on here. So we're we're definitely going to be bugging you again in the future, and do keep keep in touch with us. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time out. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Dad! Dad! What? If you look in the mirror and say Biggie Smalls' name three times, he doesn't come and get you, right? Biggie Smalls? You know, Escargo, Matt Cargo, 118, sipping on booze as it has the blues. Alright, boys, I know it's Halloween, but you can't summon dead rappers in the mirror. How do you know? I'm a geologist. Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives, as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free. Hi there, I'm Logan. And I'm Lindsay. And we host the new podcast, Folklore on the Rocks, where we talk about folklore and lesser-known creatures, cryptids, and monsters from around the world. When we say lesser-known, we mainly mean that we won't be covering creatures like Bigfoot or Nessie or Chupacabra, just because they're discussed so often, and the world just has so many other awesome options to draw from. Every two weeks, we'll be diving deep into the legends and culture that surround a specific creature, and getting a bit tipsy as we do so. But don't worry. 
We do our research sober. <laughs> On the weeks in between, we'll be narrating and discussing folktales. So some will be historical folklore from the regions that our creatures are from, and some will be more like modern folklore, like no sleeps and creepypastas. You can find out more about us on our website, FolkloreOnTheRocks.com, on Facebook and Instagram at FolkloreOnTheRocks, and Twitter at at FolkloreRocks! So come on, grab a drink, join us, and let's dig deep together. Lucia Peters, uh, Ghost in My Machine, uh, Dangerous Games to Play in the Dark. I was worried about being hamped up on caffeine and, and talking like a squirrel on, on crack. Um, that girl talks quick. <laughs> she was nervous. She's, she, she has a lot of energy. I think so. She, I think she's just really high energy. She has a lot of energy. Like, she knows how we are. She said, you know, afterwards, she was like, you know, I, I like talking to you guys. And she's really, she's really at ease with it. I even caught her swearing a couple of times, which for me, that's a sign that somebody's comfortable with us. Yep. Um, she's a great guest. She's great. She really is. I, I, I love talking to her. And she's not real hard to pull information out of. I don't have to prod no. her real hard. Like, she's there on the ball, ready to go, ready to talk. Yeah. She's very free with her information. Some people are tight lipped and you got to, like, really yank at them, which none of you guys hear. Because <laughs> yeah. that's usually like pushed it aside, but it, 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 a lot of that gets edited out. I was explaining yep. to somebody uh, how the editing process works and how much of myself and you will edit out of the show sometimes. Like you, people won't hear me ask. Like well, I'll normally ask a whole bunch of different questions to give people something to pick from, and whatever question they actually answer is the question that I leave in the show. So. If we were to do a live show with any somebody, it would sound a lot different than what people actually hear, and I'm a little worried about that at some point. But I don't, I don't think you should be worried. I think it'll be fine if we ever do a live show. Well, but um, there's that. Yeah, buy, I'm, I'm buying. I'm buying you a copy of this. I'm actually going to bug her and see if we can get autograph copies. She said she'd give us autograph copies, dude. Yeah, That's but badass. I still want to pay her something. That's I, fine. I, I don't, well, like. I don't like welching off of people, you know. I, I don't like. Hey, I'm a podcaster. Send me like the people that send me books. When you tell someone they're gonna that you're going to you're interested in the book and that you're gonna pay them, and they say, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." I know, but it's I, not like you're going. Hey, I need this. By the way, I'm gonna be real here. I get a lot of books sent to me for free that are shit. Like, I get none. I know. Sent to me. So I, I, have nothing, I have nothing to go on there. I get a lot of books that are shit. Like, there's been a few times where we've gotten books, and I've said, "Hey, Lobo, I got this book," and you're like, "Oh, hell no, no, yeah. no, no." If you if you hey, put that person on the show, then I'll look it up. I'm like, mm, no, yeah, no, that's a hard pass. No, we don't we don't need to talk about being resurrected as a hamster or something. Well, actually, I probably that would might talk actually to that. Be yeah. interesting. I would <laughs> that, go for that. Yeah, that yeah. that might be interesting. But uh, when I get somebody that's got a book, like Cutchin, like Cutchin is somebody, he'll send me a PDF copy of the book, and then I'll go out and buy it just so I actually have his book in my library. Right, right, right. You know, but uh, this is, even though I've got the book, I'm probably going to send this to somebody else, and I'm going to see if I can, I'm going to buy a, or have her send us autographed copies, because I legitimately want this in my collection. It's, it's yeah, great. Dude. It's a fun little book. But again, there's so much stuff in here that borders on genuine, real, magical summoning rituals, like the Raven Man one. You read it. It's, yeah, that is definitely a uh, yeah. That's a summoning ritual. That's you'd be summoning somebody There's right there. There's a couple of something. things missing, but the, if for all intents and purposes, it's a summoning ritual. Mm -hmm. It's got all the hallmark the hallmarks of it, even to the point of closing the ritual down. 
Yep. Like there's steps to doing a ritual. You can't just summon an angel or a demon. Well, there's opening. Well, you can, but there's opening, there's middles, and there's closings. And yep. a lot of people will go to the internet and just read the abbreviated version of how to summon whatever. And then, wow, it I didn't got work. This. Wait, I don't got this. Yeah, it, it didn't work, or something will happen, or whatever. And ritual is ritual. It's there's a, a beginning, a middle, and an end to the ritual to what you're trying to do. And I, I guess if you cut those corners, especially with summoning stuff, well, the idea of summoning an angel or a demon is kind of ridiculous to me anyways. It's like, what are yeah. you going to do? You're going to bind it? I mean... It's ridiculous to me for a couple of different reasons. You know, None, not like, the least of the binding part. Or these anything. are things it's that are just, thousands of years old, older than we are. And uh, look at me. I'm I, look. It's like an ant trying to summon me, you know, like, go away, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, well, we have this uh, expanded view of ourselves thanks to... Uh, Religion. Exactly. So a lot of these concepts of trying to summon something much greater than you, especially very basically off of something you read off the internet, it's kind of laughable. I mean, I don't like to talk about magic knowledge and stuff. Even I've, you know, I've, I've mentioned, I'll do it again. I'll brag about the extensive magical library that I have. And I'm sure you've got a pretty decent amount of shit too, because you know what you're talking about. And then I, I actually these. practice. Yes, you <laughs> so are a practitioner. That. I've been accused of being a practitioner, but you are in fact a practitioner. So, and I know of about three people right now that are hearing me say this that are nodding their head as everything I'm saying right now. Just shut up and keep going. Yeah. But yes, I'm telling you what to do. Anyways, um, so yeah, um, anyways, so um, what are we talking about? Oh God, <laughs> I got to tell the story. To, okay, today we had the Michigan security. I'm, I'm starting to amp up on caffeine. I've got to calm myself down. Uh, we got up early this morning, and they've got this thing called uh, Michigan's 180-mile yard sale or something like that. And it goes all the way from Michigan Avenue, not the one in Illinois, but it goes from one side of the state to the other. And um, you basically just go from yard sale to yard sale to yard sale all over the place. Well, we brought Lisa with us. Uh, Lisa's gone a couple of I think this is her second time. And every time we bring her, she's kind of a luck charm. So um, we brought her, and she basically filled up the back of my goddamn truck full of stuff. I found some cool stuff. I got, like, a brand-new ceramic heater for, like, $2.50, like a $40 heater. I got – Lisa gave me a Generation 1 iPad, so I found this really cool stand to charge it with because you can't buy them anymore. Uh, and Lisa goes out and just – she she finds this brand-new stow-in-the-box indoor electric cooker, deep, turkey deep fryer. Like, we'd pull up to a place, and she'd just be like, dibs, and I'm like, what, what, what? And, you know, she'd just start grabbing shit, and I'd be like, god damn you, bitch. But anyways, <laughs> so I've been up since, like, six thirty, seven o'clock, and I was up late last night researching the show and doing a bunch of other junk, so I'm just, like, super beat. Then I get back home, and mind you, um, there's these rock star, uh, god, okay, you're going to laugh at me, but <laughs> there's these rock star cotton candy diet energy drinks that are 350 milligrams of caffeine. Um, woke up, didn't eat breakfast, didn't do anything. Uh, I took my blood pressure pills. Great, great combo. High caffeine. You know why, why? Yeah. Okay. We're getting there. Um, actually we're not. I'm just saying that to move you along. But, um, so I get up, took my blood pressure pills and I wash them down with this super high caffeinated energy drink. And you know me when I become caffeinated. Everybody listening to the show knows me when I become caffeinated. I turn into like the Hulk, but not angry and green and mean. I just turn into like, I, I turn into the squirrel that was in the cartoon where it's going so fast that everything slows down around it. Mm. And my wife just about loses her fucking mind because <laughs> I go nuts. Add to that when my oldest daughter goes, you get me and my oldest daughter together. My oldest daughter just eggs me on because she finds it comical that I do stupid shit when I go to yard sales. Case in point, 
We went to a yard sale once where this woman was selling Happy Face stuff. The entire yard sale was Happy Face stuff. Plates, cup holders, soap dispensers, silverware, everything. So I go running up to this table, whacked out on... I, I drink these drinks from a place called Bigby Coffee. They're called Sugar Bears. They're really like sweet, sugary dessert coffee. And they're really high in caffeine, so I'd slam them down. Hypertension and diabetes, awesome. Awesome. Well, the diabetes I'm working on. I'm not there yet. Wilford Brimley is my 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 Lord and Savior, but um, my spirit animal. Yeah, Wilford Brimley is my spirit animal. Diabetes and how it's affected me in my life. Terrific. I run up to this table and I'm like, "Hi, how much for the happiness? I'd like to buy all of the happiness." And my daughter and my future son-in-law are just like covering their face, trying to keep from laughing. My wife's grabbing me by the back of the collar, dragging me away, and I'm like, "No, I must buy the happiness. I must buy." You know. <laughs> And the woman's getting really pissed off, which, of course, is making me laugh even harder for whatever reason, because I just go into, like, uber asshole on on crack mode. So this is me when I go yard sailing, amped up on caffeine. I'm, like, running around and bouncing up and down until about four hours later when I crash. And then it's the opposite, where I'm like, I don't want to move. I'm just going to pull up to the house, and you look over... And you see the yard sale, and you go, well, it doesn't look like anything good. Let's just keep going. The way it's like, no, we need to stop. We need to stop. And then her and Lisa go running out of the vehicle, and I'm just sitting there, like, staring off into space. The saliva is going, bleep, bleep. Oh, good. That's great. Things that I've learned about yard sales. Correct me if I'm wrong. You call them tag sales where you are. They have you yard go- sales, tag sales, garage sales, estate sales. Exactly. Oh. Um, first things first, the international symbol for a yard sale is a ladder out in front of the yard. or a Not here. Or a balloon hanging off of the ladder, or nope. a balloon? No, no. Nope. Okay. Uh, no, we have actual signs because we're civilized here. You have that here too. You have that here too. And <laughs> uh, the thing about Michigan is, it'll say yard sale in big letters, and yeah, then it'll same. have like a paragraph written in little tiny letters that you're supposed to read as you drive by, saying what the address is, how no. late it's open till. No, we have that here. It's Michigan. Our roads suck. You know that's why. But See, you've been to New England. <laughs> yes, our roads are not good either. Well, anyways, so things you see common at yard sales. I've come to this assumption. You will always find a copy of Upwards or uh, Scattergories is another game that you always find. You will always find copies of the, um, what was the um, the werewolf book and the vampire book with Edward and Jacob? Uh, Twilight. You will always find copies of Twilight books. The more yeah, upscale ones, you may find a couple of copies of the Harry Potter books. You will always find old generation Xboxes, like Xbox Ones, um, and they never want to come down in price. They're still trying to sell them as though they're brand new. Um, you will always find bread makers at, oh, at, yeah. at yard sales. I've sold a few. Yeah, you, you will always find juicers are another common item that I've you will find. I've sold a few of those, too. Yes. I just sold one at a tech sale. Often like they're still and new ago. and in box. Like they've like somebody bought, I'm, I'm going to buy this juicer, and I'm going to act healthy, and I'm going to drink healthy, and the juicer never leaves the box. No, no, um, I used mine. I used mine and got yelled at by my doctor asking me why I'm throwing away good fiber. Okay. Okay, you are the exception to every rule. But well, when you go to a yard sale, there are just certain items that you always find. Um, bad sugar dispensers or like uh, the Christmas, the ceramic Christmas tree with the little lights all the way around it. Mm. Um, really off the wall, like fake Department 56. Me and you are collectors of, well, you used to be a Department collect 56 collector of Halloween stuff. Mm-hmm. But you see the imitation, the imitation Christmas Village stuff, like everybody has their own version of a Department oh, yeah. 56 Halloween Village or a Christmas Village. Yeah, um, Lemax. Yes. Well, these, yeah. this is like a step down from Lemax. You oh, know, dear. Is um, it, that's such a thing. 
You always wow, find like horrible. Christmas Dollar lights. Store. Uh, I will say that because I am a fan of Halloween, so I do like going to the yard sale specifically to find really cool Halloween stuff. I found something today. It's these skeleton hands holding up these candles that you light up, and they got little glittery things that look like lava lamps. They're cool. Anyways, um, I'm one of those people. If, if I could, I would have Halloween decorations all over my house all year long. But no, I'm married, so that doesn't happen. Um, you know this feeling, and I know you do, which is why you sent me your Department 56 Halloween Village thing and got me started on the road to hell that I am on now. But I'd like to say I'm sorry, but I'm not. I don't want you to say you're sorry. Okay. So, um, yeah, and then uh, since, again, we're also like in the back hills of Michigan, you always see that there's always the guy. They'll have like off the side of the road, they'll have it set up where like a whole bunch of be tables will just be set up like a flea market. So you're walking through it, and you're seeing all the old tools that no one's ever going to buy, sawzaws, stuff that no one's ever going to use. And then they've always got the table set up of the Jesus hats, which is oh, like God. the we don't Jesus, have that here. Jesus saves baseball cap, the uh, First yeah. Amendment baseball cap, um, the uh, like uh, like the typical like you you see this out in the countryside. You know, they're like Jesus saves, Jesus loves you, um, blah blah blah. You know, stuff like that. Um, uh, what's another thing you see? Oh, these stupid, like, they look like George Foreman girls, but they're not. But they're, they make, like, donuts or little cupcakes. Um, you know what I'm talking about? They, yep. They work the same way, but they're not the George Foreman grill. Like, you yep. look at it and go, this is exactly like my George Foreman grill, but yeah. it cooks things in the shape of the donut. I got a mini donut. donut one. I have a pop maker. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I had, you got me a pop maker. I had that for the longest time, and then eventually I became that person that sold it at my yard sale. And sure Yay. enough, somebody came along and bought it. You know. Wait, didn't I give you that pop maker? Yeah, you did, and we used it for years. I used it for years. Oh, shit. Yeah, you did. Wow. You, I said, I really want one of these, but the wife won't let me have one, and you were like, fuck that noise, and I'm buying you one. And you bought me one, and I used it for a long time, much to That's my wife's dismay. Right. It got many years of use out of it. I'm amazed that it didn't break. We used it so much. I remember... And we're, I'm beginning to babble. But I remember one year, it was me and Lisa, uh, Adventures at Walmart, which is a completely different different set of stories, which will appear on another podcast at some point. <laughs> but um, that's what the other show that I'm eventually going to do is going to be about. But uh, we were in Walmart, and um, it was just after Halloween. They were selling the discounted um, soda, like the little soda cups. And they were like cotton candy flavor, um, weird They were weird Halloween flavors, and they were gross. But I remember buying them and like making them with the soap, the, not the soap, the pop, the, the soda stream thing that you gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually I just started buying like Mio and making like making my little like sodas out of Mio and stuff like that. So, but yeah, these are all things that you find at yard sales. And so it's this yard sale after yard sale after yard sale of the same shit. Like it could just be, like it could just be the same yard sale repeated over and over again. So every once in a while you find the little random gems. Like you, you gotta dig through all this chafe to find like, oh wow, this is a brand new ceramic heater that's not opened yet. This is pretty cool, and it's like $2.50. For me, it's beer and winemaking stuff. I find all this old beer and winemaking stuff. But I have to go through like 30 of the same. I have to go through 30 copies of Tribond and Twilight and some Harry Potter books and Breadmakers and, and just like, like old, like old TV sets that no one buys anymore and computer monitors that, that nobody needs for you find that one little thing of goodness. And then every once in a while, Every once in a while, magic happens. The magic light goes off, and ding, and it happens. And you look over, and there's the free box. And the free oh, box geez. is like, oh, and the latest sun shines down. And oftentimes, the free box is stupid. It has, like, plastic plates, really dumb stuff. 
But every once in a while, the Fae are out there and the fairies listen and they go, we're going to reward this man for having to dig through 300 copies of Twilight and the George Foreman donut maker that no one's ever going to buy, although buy and use it one time. Like today, I found a really cool, awesome Bluetooth, nice Bluetooth speaker for free. The woman's like, I don't know what the hell that is. I've never used it. It uses gray tooth or purple tooth. It uses uses her exact words. It uses some kind of tooth and I don't know how to get it to work. So you could just go ahead and have that speaker. And I'm like, thank you. So I then hold it like the Joe Theismann, you know, post, you know, the pose where he's got the football under his arm. So I got the Bluetooth speaker under my arm and I'm like running back to my truck going, God damn, I hope Lisa doesn't see this. And she yells, dibs, you know, so yeah, that was my day. And this is what happens every year on yard sale day across Michigan, where you go from one estate to the other. We go to these yard sales over and over and over again, and then every once in a while, you know, the clouds open up and a ray of sun shines out, and you find a super awesome deal. Today, Lisa found most of them. She found the brand new still-in-box, you know, in-home turkey fryer, not the one you take outside with the grill, you know, with the boiling pot of oil, where every year I'm afraid I'm going to blow myself up if I lower the turkey down and it explodes. Remember the first year I got one of those at a yard sale? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, Lobo, I'm going to cook a turkey today, and you're like videotaping, I want to see you go in flames and engulf. So you're going to die. <laughs> me not knowing any better, I just assume that if you put the turkey into the fryer, no matter how slowly you put it in there, like a mushroom cloud of exploding no. grease was going to erupt out of the backyard and the flesh was going to melt off me. Still and too much oil for that. See, to I happen. didn't know that. I just well, I, I knew it probably wouldn't happen, but I was terrified. So here's me videotaping myself lowering a turkey into the deep fryer for the first time. I, I fought all the instructions. I dried it out. I watched the the um, the William Shatner video that he's got out there about not catching yourself on fire while cook, deep frying a turkey. Go out and look it up on YouTube. Folks, it's funny as fuck. Awesome. So, uh, I send you this video. Here's me with a rake, you know, and I've got all these mittens and stuff on slowly lowering the turkey into the oil, you know, because I thought it out, dried it, did everything I was supposed to do, and I'm like, okay, I didn't blow myself up. Cool. Now we're going to let it cook. Of course, for whatever reason, the oil never got hot enough completely to cook it all the way. But, anyways, Mm. this one, you just put it in there, close it, hit the button, it turns on, it cooks it, your house doesn't blow up, you don't incinerate, you don't look like you're in a mushroom cloud, your flesh doesn't melt off of you. And I really wanted this thing, and my wife's like, no, you can't have it. And Lisa's like, I called dibs anyways. So she got it, and she's like, I'll let you borrow it, don't worry. That's funny. So, yeah, so she got the super brand new, you know, and there's just deals like that out there. Every once in a while, you find something where somebody just has no idea what they've got, and if you're lucky, you're the first person there to to be the asshole that takes advantage of their ignorance and sometimes it's like like when i go to the dirt mall yeah exactly everybody's every place has got a dirt mall too ours just closed oh you got it it's like the flea it's they call they call them flea markets for the same thing yeah it's where the name of the place is redwood flea market but everybody around here that goes has been going since we were kids calls it the dirt mall yes exactly there's one just outside of cincinnati ohio too and anybody from Ohio that's listening to know I'm talking about, this building's got giraffes and palm trees all over it. Nice. And it's there just to attract attention. But even the locals down there go, yeah, that's our dirt mall. You've got the real mall, and then you've got the dirt mall. And the dirt mall was table after table of people selling NASCAR paraphernalia and belt buckles. That's the other thing about this yard sale. Okay, we have Michigan Speedway, and Michigan Avenue runs towards it goes towards it and passes it. The closer and closer you get to that speedway, because that's where the NASCAR races are, for the locals, it is Mecca for NASCAR. And the closer and closer you get to that speedway, the more and more NASCAR stuff you begin to see at yard oh, sales. I'm sure. I'm the closer sure. you get. Like, when you start, you might see a Kyle Petty, I think that's his name, a Kyle Petty car. But the closer yeah, and closer you Petty. get to it, 
the Come more, on, dude. you get to a point like, you know, you're, you know, you're within a quarter of a mile of the racetrack when you start going to yard sales and there's actual hoods from NASCAR race cars yep. for sale and flags and nets and like, you know, like the, the metal cars that you buy in the boxes and stuff like that, you know? So, uh, yeah, that, that was my day. That was, that was what I did today. And, like uh, fun. yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's, you know, I, I don't know. I got some cool stuff though, so I can't complain. And I'm I'm about ready to die right now. So. It's great. That's, I mean, that's, that's the goal, right? That's the goal, to die. To die with the most toys from yard sales. Oh, Jesus. So, do, I mean, do you have anything? Am I right, though, in these experiences? Do, do they sound like things that you've encountered? Like, what do you, oh, yeah. when you go to a Absolutely. yard sale, what do you run into? Oh, you, dude, here? Yeah. In the land of the blue bloods? Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's always There's always records. Yeah, that's too. And there are always people that, uh, like obscure ones. Yeah, but they're not like yeah, they're they're like uh, you'll you run can into still find stuff copies of like, BG Saturday Night Fever floating around. No, like country music oh, yeah. and like diamond discs from like old Victrola setups and uh, like Bakelite stuff and a lot of glass, clear glass. Everybody has fucking clear glass. Kids stuff like baby. Oh yeah, crap. Yeah, vases uh, and everything. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll. Every once in a while, you'll find some fucking nerd like yourself that's getting rid of like an aquarium setup, and you have to buy it. Or saw many of those today. Did see a few of those. Yep. Ah, uh, dude, I just bought another another fish tank. Like I needed that, like a hole in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do you always see? Oh, you see, um, like old shirts, like wolves on them, and. The stuff that I gravitate to. <laughs> you know, me uh, and Lily were just having this conversation. It's funny you should say that. And then we're going to close the show up pretty quick here. We were talking about spirit animals. Mm. And I said, you know what? Everybody wants to be, everybody wants to have the wolf. Everybody wants to be the wolf. This, that's like the spirit animal of choice. And I'm like, I really don't want to do, I, even as I look at your profile picture and you have a wolf. Granted, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to put that out there. If that's there's a reason thing, why it's the wolf. Gotcha. Great. No problem. I'm like, I really need to learn what the hell my spirit animal actually is. All these times. Told you. Wilford Brimley. Well, <laughs> we've established that. You're right. So I went out and I went to a bunch of different places to look up what my spirit animal was based on my and my birthday and, and my per, my personality aspects. Let me you guess. Know. Hedgehog. No, it turns out that it's the deer, which I'm okay oh, with. Cool. I, you know, my spirit animal apparently is a deer. I always thought it was a bear, but apparently that was my mom's spirit animal, which can I have a bear dancer Look, here. your sexual orientation no one cares about, so let's just stick with the deer. The bear cares about the sexual orientation, but that, that's, you know, I'm in a healthy, happy relationship. It's consensual with the deer now. Wow. But uh, anyways, yeah, so apparently okay, my then. spirit animal is the deer, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay it's with that. It's unfortunate. You know, that's unfortunate that it's a deer? or Yeah. You know what wolves eat in the wild? Deer. Yeah. Yes. Great. So you're going to eat me. Well, I, w- I will say yeah. that I'm, I'm high in saturated fat and probably low in carbs, so I could probably feed a family. I could probably feed your family for at least a week. Um, I don't know. They eat a lot. <laughs> I'm like a duck. I've got a big layer of fat. Once you get through that, the I'm meat's like very tasty, a though. Duck. Yeah, that's great. I'm losing well, the fat. Well, if the Inuit were looking for you, I'm sure they'd be really happy. Yeah, they'd chew me. They'd just chew my fat. But uh, yeah. I, I've lost a lot of the fat. I'm continuing to lose the fat. Awesome. Um, you know, I, my face is thinning out, which is yep. the only thing on me that's really thinning out. My face and my penis, but we're getting on. We're working Whoa. on that. <laughs> wow. All righty then. Two things you don't necessarily want to thin out in that order. That's awesome. Who are you? Well, my friends call me right, Jobby right. the penis dick. <laughs> <It's> terrific. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. 
So, uh, yeah, you're you're not going to be here next week. Are you out of town next week? Right? Uh, no, I'm around. You're around I'm, next week. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, next weekend. I'm gonna okay. Be, I'm gone from tomorrow to Friday. Okay. Coming back Friday. Well, do you want to try to do a ramble cast next week, or do you want me to try to do an interview? I'll tell you what. I'm going to try to book. There's an interview that I'm going to try to book, and if I can't book it, we'll do a ramble cast. And then the following week, you're definitely off because that'll be, if things go as planned, that'll be the three-person show, and you don't like to be on shows where we have more than two people on. Um, I don't like to be on shows that are stupid. That's, well, that's going to be the stupid show. That's I know. That's going to be the stupid show. That's our yearly stupid show. That's But that's really the only stupid show we do that much anymore, though. That's, well... That's, well, we don't do we don't do the this year in fecal matters. We don't do Florida anymore. Um, which granted, the last show I did this year in fecal matters, I'm like, can we have that show? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll even come out oh, and help yours. you out. That podcast isn't around anymore that I know of. So, well, how about that? Is yeah. that a sign? Exactly. Oh, um, so that'll be the stupid show. Uh, that'll be our fun show, which is the it's yearly Chuck, thing. Right? Well, it's supposed to be Chuck and Todd, and it's supposed to be the fast food follies show because the fast food folder is nice and full of, of and ripe for picking. Um, and they did a great job when they were on it last time. But you're like, I don't want to be on stupid shows anymore. Okay, fine, that's cool. There's you know. more than enough people waiting to do that. Yes, there, there is. There is a long line of people that are waiting to like come on the show now that want to be guest hosts or want to be on here for various reasons. So, you know, we'll see. But anyways, um, I'm done with my caffeine induced uh, yard sale rant. And I know there's oh. people out there listening that are wanting to add what I'm saying. So if there is. And you agree with what I'm saying, and you've got more to add to it, you know where our Facebook page is. Go start a yep. thread, and we'll start this thing going. Things you find at yard sales. You also have our phone number, and you can leave a message. Nobody does that. Nobody. Ah, leaves, they seem to do it when I ask them to do it. Well, then, that'd be great. The only time we get people leaving messages is when we have big anniversary shows. You know, they'll call and say, hey, happy 300th, happy episode 4, or happy, you know, whatever. So, yes, please do new people. We'd love more than anything hearing from new people to call in and say, hey, I like your show. You know, it, it's cool. Hey, you don't suck ish. Ish. <laughs> or you didn't suck as bad this week. Or you sucked. We got a bad review on iTunes. Great. We got two bad reviews. Somebody said it. that we're clowns and that well, um, not, we claim not, not to be skeptical, but then we laugh at woo woo stuff. And at the same token, we but also talk about woo. Just admit summoning rituals. What do you mean? Exactly. And then somebody else, which I, I grant this person, I'll, I'll grant this person their what they're talking about. They said that we're listed in the spirituality category and we're not really spiritual and we don't cover spiritual topics. We do on occasion, but the only reason we are listed in that topic is because at the time when we created a show, there really wasn't a category that fit what we did. And I still don't think that there quite is. We can't be listed. There's no paranormal quote-unquote category. And if there was, we don't quite fit in that. We don't fit in science. We don't fit in comedy. You know, it's there really is no place for us to classify us on YouTube. So the Isn't person there like a bullshit thing for YouTube or like there's not, not, you, a not YouTube, but iTunes. I mean iTunes. There's um, not like a fuckery category. Well, apparently or? they've added new categories, so I have to go back and check and see if we fit someplace now. But mm-hmm. there's really no place that we fit in any category for us to go. So the one person that did leave us the bad review saying you know, they're not really a spiritual show. I will grant that person, yes, you are correct. And to that one person, I will sort of apologize because they're really... They saying no sorry for shit. Well, there's no place for us to go. So when people see it, they come... If they're not used to the show, they don't know us, they come and they see that and they go, oh, okay, let's check these guys out. And see, then they no. might listen to an episode like Fast Food Follies and go, what the hell is this shit? Here's the thing, okay? F- fuck you. I'm... Fuck you. Well, First of all. No. No. See, here's the problem with today's society. You don't like something? Just fucking walk right by. 
You don't got to say shit. Just well, their complaint was by. is that their the complaint was that we shouldn't have been listed in spirituality, and we you should. My complaint is they shouldn't be taking air in. Well, they weren't trying to be mean. They're just like, hey, this this doesn't. No, fit. but they took the time to do that. Mm. They took the time out of their busy lives, quote unquote, busy lives, to fucking do that. Well, the vast so majority no, of our reviews you. are good, so I don't care. Whatever, yeah. you know. But there were the one person that was like, these guys are asshats, and I don't quite get what they do. Well, you don't, but a lot of other people do. So it's fine. We're not for you. Give the you show a listen. Not everybody likes and... pie. What? Who doesn't like pie? pie? I don't dare. I, dude, I know people that don't like pie. Why? I know people that don't like cake. You know, I know people that don't like chocolate. I know the people that don't like salty things. You well, know I'm what? Not I'm not a big fan of chocolate either. I'm not a huge dumb. fan. There's some chocolate I like. I mean, you hear about these people and you read about them, but they're kind of like Bigfoot. You don't actually know that they exist until someday you run into somebody and they're like, I don't like pie. And you're like, no, really? Really? Can I get a picture of you? No. Oh, my God. It's blurry. Your picture's blurry <laughs> like on my phone. You're like a Sasquatch or What is something. this? You know, and it's the guy walking away with his face, you know, like in the, in the book for fans with his face turned away. That's the guy that doesn't like pie. And then Ben Radford gets a hold of it and goes, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is a real photo. You know, <laughs> no, Ben, this is a real photo of a guy that doesn't like pie. This is a guy that doesn't like cake. That's a blurry picture of a light in the sky. But that's See? a person who doesn't like cake. And Ben would find know. out if it was true. And then he would go, what is wrong I with I don't you? think so. I think Ben would still be skeptical about a photo <laughs> of a person who doesn't like pie or cake. I'm just saying. All right, Poor we're done. Ben. We're done. We've been going for a while here. So yeah. let's call it good. Uh, yeah, this is this is Rojan. Peace out from the D. See everybody next week. This is Lobo from Connecticut. I... Um, hi, Wolftress. Mm-hmm. Wolf. <laughs> I need somebody to call Hi, Deertress. That, that's a real name, though, isn't it? Deertress. Deertress is a real name. I no? don't. I don't know anybody named Deertress. Dude, their parents must hate them. Is there them. anybody out there whose spirit animal is a hamster? Call uh, our phone number. Richard Give us a Deer? message. Richard. <laughs> oh, I Never mind. Sorry. That was good. Peace, folks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. <laughs> I live for drugs.
Joan.